Every Thursday, we'll be releasing a pair of interviews with some amazing nonprofits talking about their awesome impact in the communities they are in. We'll talk about some challenges they've faced and chat about their best tips and tricks that might just help your organization do good better. Hey, enjoy these mini episodes of inspiration that make a major difference in the lives of those served by these incredible nonprofits. Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word do good better at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Hey, you busy fundraiser. Yeah, you. Listen, I know you're busy planning an event and you shouldn't have to worry about what software you're using for events and online giving and peer-to-peer fundraising and auctions and mobile bidding and text to give. It's all at one cause. OneCause.com. Listen, I've been using OneCause for a long time with clients all over. It's designed for busy fundraisers. It's intuitive. It's a powerful fundraising solution for your next event, and you should be using it. Go to OneCause.com. They're a sponsor of the show. They're amazing. They're awesome. And there's free resources galore at OneCause.com. Check them out today. Choosing a partner to help you achieve success in your business or personal finances is a big decision. You need a devoted advisor who's experienced and attentive and invested in helping you accomplish your goals. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Brady Martz. Brady Martz knows that you've got a lot of options to choose from, but we're confident that Brady Martz is the right accounting firm for you. they got more than a half a century of experience making everyday count through tax, accounting, audit, and business advisory services. So... Contact Brady Marks to learn more about their unique solutions that they can provide you and your nonprofit. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. And most of the time, that involves individuals who are executive directors of small and medium-sized nonprofits because they know, boots on the ground-wise, going to give you some tips and tricks on how to do all these things. With us today, uh, Rita Khan. She's the executive director of Chicago Hopes for Kids. Rita, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you, Patrick. Happy to be here. I'm super excited, super curious today, as well as I'm sure countless people who are going and finding you on iTunes or YouTube or Spotify, and they're like, Chicago Hopes for Kids. I like the sound of this, but they might not know exactly what you do. So if you wouldn't mind giving a 5,000-foot view of who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today. Absolutely. So I I think in order to understand Chicago Hopes for Kids, you have to know a little bit about our history. Um, As a nonprofit, we are 10 years old, a little more than 10 years old, Um, but our roots are in the Chicago public school system. Um, Our founder, Pat Rivera, who was our first executive director, uh, was headed the homeless education program within the Chicago public school system. Uh, that was her sort of her last job as a social worker for over 30 years um, in the Chicago public school system. So she had started the homeless education program, 
Um, unfortunately, due to budget cuts, um, shortly before she left, the program was canceled, um, but she, along with a group of dedicated volunteers who are already in place, decided to keep the program going. And luckily enough, she was at retirement age. Um, so she, she did the unlikely. So in her in her uh, retirement, uh, I'm doing air quotes, um, she started a nonprofit, um, Chicago Hopes for Kids, and really continued the good work that had been started um, and expanded it really tremendously. Um, it was entirely a after-school tutoring program um, when it was run within the Chicago public school system. And over the years, we have continued to add um, services and benefits for the students and the families, um, just as we have learned more about their needs and understood how we could really be of help, um, we have added those benefits. So we are currently in 10 homeless shelters um, throughout the city of Chicago. We are the only after-school program that does in-shelter programming. So we do that through partnerships with various shelters throughout the city. Um, and we provide after-school programs to students kindergarten through fifth grade. That's one program and a second program called Literacy Leaders for middle, middle school students. Um, so those are really our two main programs. And um, we are 14 programs across 10 shelters currently, um, but we are also um, extending out and doing programming in some community centers currently um, in areas of high poverty. Um, and the reason for that is because um, in, uh, students experiencing homelessness who are in the shelter system represent about 12% of uh, the total number of students who are experiencing homelessness um, who are students in CPS. So we really wanted to, you know, look at all we've learned and all the benefits we can offer to kids and make sure that we were expanding our reach as much as possible. And so that is the reason in the last year we have taken a big step and um, started extending our partnerships beyond shelters um, into other uh, community centers and libraries in uh, neighborhoods that we've targeted as um, being um a lot of students with housing insecurity. Mm -hmm. um, when you are expanding some of your programs, and probably more recently than not, is there is there a certain uh, program need that you have filled that um, that you're finding is whoa? We should have done doing this ten years ago if we knew more <laughs> about it. Uh, but was there is there a revelation that you're kind of finding with uh, sort of exploring some of the needs outside of like trying to find out where you can go and find students to to work with? But is there a program that are like that aha moment where you're like, mm, this is where we should have been for a while and or really appreciate now having? That is a great question. I feel like it's complicated a bit by the pandemic um, mm. because we have been reacting so much um, to changes that have significantly impacted services and the shelter environment for students. Um, but, you know, I think in retrospect, we could have grown faster um, than we did. We're a pretty conservative organization, um, did not want to add staffing really until we were absolutely sure we could sustain it. Um, so we, a um, couple of things have changed that have allowed us to grow. One is we have grown our staff. Um, it's very hard to run a successful middle school program without having a person leading it. Um, so that has, you know, created the ability to really make like that program in particular, our middle school program that we expanded to succeed. Um, we also have um, AmeriCorps partnerships. We have volunteers in service to America. So at any given time, we have five additional staff members with us who are working on capacity building within the organization, which means they can help us with volunteer management. They can help us with fundraising, all kinds of areas. So that's essentially five more staff members that we work with. Um, and we also have an AmeriCorps state grant 
um, and they provide direct service. So in addition to our community volunteers, we have AmeriCorps State volunteers who provide um, help to our students four days a week. So they're in there consistently with the students every day, working with them. Um, and so really making sure that we had the capacity to hold those grants, grow those grants, um, and have those people um, has been huge for our organization. I hope people are listening to this if you're a small or medium-sized nonprofits and the word partnership scares you because you think you're going to get into, you know, mission creep or you're going to, uh, somebody will like another organization better than yours. You're going to lose them as a donor. I hope you're taking this to heart, understanding that that is the way you grow and expand without having to create or learn everything about expertise. You bring on the experts to help you with this, whether it's a volunteer group or whether it's a partnership, it's not as scary as you think it is. So I so appreciate that, Rita, for uh, for explaining that. Uh, running a nonprofit is very difficult. There are so many ups and downs that uh, you kind of want to throw your hands up in the air every once in a while. What's a story of impact uh, or, or success that you have had recently that you remind yourself when you're having a hard day, as we all do in the nonprofit world, that goes, oh, we're getting it right. And this is what we do. And this is why we do the work that we do. What's that one story that keeps you kind of pushing uh, as much as you possibly can? Right. Um, There's one story I like to tell. Um, A a grandfather who was staying in a shelter in the city with two of his grandchildren. Um, So he was the primary caregiver for two grandchildren. Um, His story really was that he was on a fixed income and sort of doing okay, getting by, um, and then had responsibility now for you know, two more mouths to feed and all that comes with that. Um, So he did end up for their security, staying in a shelter um, environment. And, you know, the beauty of that story is that he was um, working with us. He ended up being part of our program. Um, He helped not only with, you know, tutoring and helping the kids throughout the program, not just for his own kids, but he also set up field trips um, for the kids. So he he essentially became, you know, sort of both a recipient of services and a volunteer with us. And it was, you know, it was a really kind of a beautiful partnership that we were able to develop with him. And, you know, he just had great experiences and stories um, to share with all the children um, that were staying in the shelter and were part of our program. And in addition, sort of spent his time and his resources creating new and better experiences for them to to go out into the city and experience field trips. Um, So, you know, we're always open. Being a small uh, nonprofit gives us the flexibility to be absolutely open to those sorts of, you know, relationships that we can grow and take advantage of because we are small and flexible. So, you know, if we have a grandfather that wants to plan a field trip, great. We're going to work with you. We're going to make that happen for the kids. And um, we're able to do that. Nothing says you're doing a great job as a nonprofit than the volunteers or those that you are serving uh, become champions and advocates for you because they can't imagine anything better than just sort of giving back to those that they've got. Like, that's an amazing story. And that should be something that all the nonprofits should look for. Like, who who's going to be your champion? Find out those that you're uh, sort of working with and, and mm-hmm. being a part of. What a great story. I love that. Um, challenges abound. You mentioned COVID. Um, sort of tweaking some of the programs that you probably had on paper that sounded great, but couldn't do. Um, What's a current challenge that you guys are experiencing and how are you uh, overcoming some of that? I would say, I mean, we could definitely talk about COVID challenges, but we're moving past that. (laughs) 
We are. I mean, one of, one of our challenges is definitely that we are in a, in a mode of rebuilding our volunteer network. Um, so during COVID, we only used our um, AmeriCorps volunteers in the shelter system um, for safety and for consistency and just to avoid having, you know, different people coming in and out and not being able to track those exposures. Um, so we stayed in touch with our community volunteer network that at one point in time was about 175 community volunteers that we had working with us in different capacities. Um, but it was tough. It was tough to keep track of folks when, you know, you're not really having them engage with the kids and provide direct service. Um, so we really right now are in that mode of like reaching back out to past volunteers, but also finding new volunteers. Um, traditionally, we've done a lot of work with um, local colleges um, who bring in who are as part of their service projects or even sometimes their classes, um, they'll come and volunteer with us for a semester. Um, that seems to be going kind of slowly. So we're pivoting and looking for relationships with high schools. So we're, we're really looking at high school seniors who are, who are interested in doing service um, and also connecting with um, some of the older, you know, older folks who are part of veterans networks and others um, that might be part of our volunteer network. So, you know, that is the challenge. The whole, um, the whole structure of volunteering really seems to be different um, coming out of the pandemic. So we are just going through the, the work of um, reestablishing our community volunteering program, which is so important to us. I love that. And as a leader in the nonprofit uh, realm, you probably learned a couple of things along the way that weren't uh, on the playbook uh, as they were written. Um, is there a tip or a trick or a piece of advice that you would give a fellow executive director, fellow nonprofit leader that you found to be super helpful that you might, that, uh, that others might as well? Sure. Um, one, I would say, you know, when we, when you are small, um, a lot of times one thing that goes by the wayside is like professional development budget and opportunities for staff. Cause everybody's just sort of running, trying to keep up with the work itself. Um, so I would advise anybody who has a small or growing staff, find a way to set aside funds so that the people that are with you feel appreciated, feel like they are growing and feel like they're having those opportunities because, you want to keep your folks. <laughs> you don't grow and you don't get better um, without sort of that consistent uh, staff that believes that, you know, they're not only giving, but also receiving um, from the opportunity to work with your nonprofit. So that's definitely one tip. And I would kind of extend that to the volunteer network as well. Um, we try to offer our volunteers training opportunities, um, you know, just social get togethers. Uh, we have them come on our field trips with us if they would like to do that. So something sort of outside of the tutoring realm where they get to engage with the kids. Um, so just never get so busy that you're not thinking about appreciating everyone around you and everyone who is contributing to your organization. I love it. That's uh, if anybody listens to this podcast on a regular basis, you know, gratitude is one of our favorite things in the entire world. So I love that piece of advice. And if your board is, uh, I don't know, bored. <laughs> what a great opportunity for them to help fundraise for those uh, leadership opportunities or those continuing education uh, policies as well. Um, they can always help facilitate some of those things too. And then they can pat themselves on the back saying, hey, we provided and it's going to be great. And then they become seeing uh, how your growth has uh, increased as well, which is a great thing. Um, I think people are probably super interested in learning more about what you do. They're probably going to try to find you on the internet, but why don't you tell them where they can find you first? 
and then how they can donate if they've got a boatload of money that they just want to throw your way. Sure. Um, absolutely. Um, we, we like boatloads of money and we also like people who want to volunteer in the shelters. All those things are good. Um, so the best way to get a hold of us is definitely through our website, www.chicagohopesforkids.org. So our full name.org. Um, so please feel free to reach out. That's really our best site. That's where you can find a lot of information about what we do, our staff. Um, and then there's also a donation page, um, where you can make donations. We also have a gala coming up on June 3rd. Um, our last two were canceled. So we're really excited to get our, um, you know, folks who support us together to really have that sense of community again. Um, so there's information on the website as well about, uh, our gala on June 3rd. So with, Number number of ways to connect with Chicago Hopes for Kids. I love it. We're going to put all that information in the show notes. And I imagine after a two-year hiatus, I believe that the uh, party to celebrate what you do will be quite the affair. I am uh, jealous I am not in the Chicago area to join you, uh, but I will uh, But make sure that you, after you listen to this uh, show, get into the show notes, click on there, donate as much as possible, click around, volunteer, do that while you're clicking, by the way. Subscribe and like to this podcast. This is pretty cool. I bet we deserve five stars. Yeah, we have five-star guests, exactly like Rita, uh, and talking uh, with awesome groups like uh, the Chicago Hopes for Kids. This is the type of thing that we do. I think you like it. It'd be great. And then immediately go back and click on their website and find a way that you can help or show and spread the love to people that you know in the Chicago area who might want to help as well. Uh, Rita, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, a completely underserved uh, entity within not only the education system, but in uh, society as well. So awesome work uh, every single day that you do. And thanks so much for being a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you so much, Patrick. Appreciate it. Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you go to dogooduniversity.com, that's dogooduniversity.com, and you register for one of the courses, I'm going to send you my best-selling book, Fundraise Awesomer, a practical guide to staying sane while doing good for free, because I really want you to do amazing work. Listen, dogooduniversity.com. Go pick out something, whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose. Um, Use the promo code podcast. Take 25% off of anything that you purchase. And I'm going to throw in a book as well because I want you to do awesome. I want you to do awesomer. And I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today.